Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. The fabulous Chelsea Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Today we have Dave Anderson, Emmanuel Gennard, and a new stride hire, Meredith Edwards. And today we'll be talking about tech role models. We'll be discussing people who we want to be when we grow up and become even more awesomer developers and consultants and who we strive to be and who we want to work. Also, who we want to work with, right? Like I imagine these are people you may potentially want to be pairing with is probably like the most amazing thing. We have a list we curated and we're going to get down to it. Yeah, definitely. Some pretty inspirational people here. I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess I'll ask, what do you guys look for in a role model in the tech space, in the tech world? I really love it when someone is committed to like building community and like, you know, they have knowledge, they have an experience that they want to share and they're just really good at giving back and like being open and, you know, just being generally all-star humans, you know, the Twitter. (laughs) Via Twitter? Yeah, just Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to jump off what Dave said because the people who I've really admired they have been teachers in a way right not necessarily like a school teacher per se but they've been people who've sought to help other people be better at what they do and mm-hmm. to really like maybe push one special person like alan k really wanted to push like humanity forward mm. Mm. as his aim and so yeah who is xerox park right yeah like, uh, research yeah. research in- invented small talk well not invented small talk was part of the team that invented small talk and which is probably what we would call the first object-oriented language, which mm. is like all the other ideas that we find in object-oriented language started there. So some deep thoughts. Yeah. And so, and also, but wanted to make, in his mind, the computer revolution was when everybody from like first grade on learned how to mm. program and also then just learn how to use the computer, but it learned how to make the computer a tool that helped them think and augment human intellect would be the the phrase that, yeah. that was bandied about. I love, I love reading those white papers from the sixties, like people like imagining what the future is going to be like and how this device is going to be integrated into your life. It's going to be like a filing cabinet for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just the filing cabinet. Yes. Just, just the filing cabinet. Like a yeah. Rolodex. There you go. Meredith, do you have anyone in mind you want to open up the space with? Oh yeah. I would love to open up the space with, Sandy Metz and oh. Katrina Owen. Sandy Metz is awesome. Yes, yeah. I mentioned both of them as a pair because I'm a bootcamp grad. I graduated from Flatiron School and I heard about Sandy Metz a lot. And mm. I bought a copy of the book. Which Pooter? book? Yes. Pooter. The Practical Object Oriented Programming in yes. Ruby. Yes. Yes. And Design? Pra- practical object oriented design in Ruby. Yes, oh, yes, yes. Wait, wait, Dave, you don't have that tattooed on your back? Is that, is that <laughs> yeah. Did you miss yeah. that one? No, but I, yeah. I, have, I have read a passage or two from that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is just Sandy's book. But last year, maybe recently, though, she, Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen, authored a book together called 99 Bottles of Object Oriented Programming. I just mm. finished that book yes. Monday. <laughs> yes. <It's, laughs> and it's incredible. Yes. And what I love about this book is this the first programming book that I ever read that you don't 
begin by reading. You begin by completing a coding exercise. And the entire book after that is talking about different solutions to the coding exercise. Oh. So when I think about heroes, I think about people who, like Emmanuel and like Dave, care about teaching and community, but also make learning accessible. Yes. So oh. that to me was like, oh, oh, it was like, they didn't care so much about showing how brilliant and smart they are. They cared about the reader leaving brilliant and smart. Yeah. I so love, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. It, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. They're, that they're really yeah. great communicators. Like I, I love Sandy's talks to like all the small things. Or is that what it's called? Yes. 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 That's, that's <laughs> yes, yes. 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 I never said it out loud. And I'm like, wait, that's like a Blink-182 song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the Blink-182 yes. song. Yeah. But yeah, like that's, that's just a great talk. It had me like riveted. I'm like, why am I riveted about refactoring? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> thank it's you, Sandy. It's so amazing to like all the refact. I, I when I was going through App Academy because I went through a boot camp like like Meredith, and I used to just watch Sandy Metz's talks over and over and over. <laughs> I would scour YouTube looking for anything that was recorded by Sandy mm-hmm. Metz. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Cool. Yeah. I mean, Sandy Metz is definitely you know, everyone's top person to be when they grow up. Yeah. People who listen to the podcast, regulars, would not be strangers to us oh, talking, yeah. about, talking Sandy. about Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> I think when I first started programming in Ruby as a Java developer, I can't, the, the name of the book escapes me, but the first Ruby book I've ever read was the Ruby book written by David Black. Well-grounded, mm. well-grounded Ruby. Yeah, you go. Well-grounded Ruby by by David. I feel so bad not remembering it on the spot. If we had our editors, we'll add that. No, you don't have to. But um, <laughs> yeah, Well-grounded Rubius was an amazing book to learn Ruby, mm-hmm. uh, especially after coming from a Java background. And like since then, I've always been very interested in like the thoughts that David Black has on like the Ruby community, who is another individual who like really cares about you know, growing the community to learn better Ruby practices, yes. and become better developers overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be more fully aware of the implications of commas. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I have something in the teach and learn section today. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Sure, yeah. Let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. But David Black was, is one of the, the Ruby person I had in mind when thinking about this topic. Yeah. Another big one is Martin Fowler. We've talked a lot about him. And his numerous and lengthy blog posts on testing and other topics of agile importance. I actually seen him give a talk live at one of the clients that I was working on. And it was just amazing to hear like him answering questions about like, you know, being a consultant, being a programmer. I think I've mentioned it before in a previous episode, but something that struck to me in that talk is the idea that everyone should learn a new programming language once mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. just to keep your mind in that learning phase to better understand how to solve problems in different languages. Mm-hmm. And since then, I, I think I wrote a blog post about it after hearing it. It's just been like a great thought to have because you can program in Ruby for three years but then if you actually learn how to solve a similar problem in Ruby and then like in Elixir and then in Smalltalk, like you have a different way of thinking how to solve a similar problem functionally and object orientedly and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. really a good like piece of advice to have as a, as a programmer. Keeps you in a growth mindset. Yeah. One of the other, like we've talked about people who have built community and things like that, but 
one of the person who's really inspired me has been Brett Victor because of his vision of what programming could be. Mm-hmm. One of his famous, like, it's not really a blog post, like an article in his website called Learnable Programming. Hmm. And what he goes through is explaining how, like, the people in the 60s and 70s really thought programming would be further along than it is now. Mm. They really believed it would be way further along. It would be a lot simpler. We wouldn't be writing text anymore. Wow. More or less, right? Oh, no. We've let them down. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And But he kind of reignited that vision. And through several, like, talks and, and articles and written about, like, the possibilities of programming, it really kind of lit, like, a like a fire inside of my brain of like, mm-hmm. oh, this could be so much more mm-hmm. right. than mm-hmm. it is right now. Mm-hmm. There's way different ways of doing this. People in the 60s and 70s really had really innovative and like unique things that kind of just kind of fell by the wayside because they weren't like going to be help make better spreadsheets or like right. <laughs> um, sales of other things. But like they were, they were really powerful ideas that mm-hmm. I think he's working on now because he is in a human something research group funded by Y Combinator mm. that's yeah. doing really interesting things. Oh, so he's he's still very active in the yeah. community. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess like one of the things that was like pretty cool about the 60s was that like everything was like kind of un- unbounded with imagination. Like yeah. maybe like less practical. And I, I feel like in some ways we've kind of like explored the space of like relational databases and <laughs> like spreadsheets and whatever. So it's like, it's very real. Even the internet feels very real. But I, the one feel that I think is like kind of growing and still really exciting is machine learning. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, company called Datakind that one of the founders is uh, Jake Portway. And he's he's kind of inspirational. Maybe he's like, you know, he's taking this really exciting technology, exciting and scary maybe in some ways. But then like taking that and getting people to focus that towards good causes, like helping government run more efficiently mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also like you know, applying it to, you know, helping those who are disadvantaged. Yeah. You saying that Dave makes me want to ask a question, which is, do you guys feel like you're more attracted to people in this industry or you drawn to role models based off of really cool products that they build or redefining the way that software teams might work together to build something not so exciting. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I mean, that's a I, great I think, question. Yeah. I think I have like I think I mentioned David Black, who is someone who probably like wanted to build, you know, an extensive community and to grow a big one, I guess. But I guess the other person that I have in mind is probably like Ken Beck, who is a written um, XP Explained, mm-hmm. and a then, bunch mm-hmm. of other books, yeah, and a bunch of other <laughs> yeah. books. But I know that a lot of them. But I know yeah. that's the one that I like look at where it's like, okay, this is not really about programming. But it's about like a thought process that you can use to then excel whatever team that you're on. So even if it is like a boring product, I guess, if you want to call it that, you could do it in an XP fashion that will then teach in the teach the team on how to be more extreme programmer like. So right. I think kind I, Ken of, Beck is probably like the other person that that's answers that question. Right. It's like I guess like the Darth Vader to Ken Beck might be like Steve Jobs, where it's like all products, <laughs> just all the time. All the time. Turtlenecks. There you and, go. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just pure personality. Whereas yeah. like, I think we've been talking a lot about like people who are like focused on community rather than like building a specific thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it, 
necessarily needs to be mutually uh, exclusive mm-hmm. because it seems to me like the really best things like best inventions come out of great teams mm-hmm. like even mm-hmm. like you know for with apple things like steve jobs was front center a lot of times but like reading about the company they have amazing teams that work mm-hmm. together in that company mm-hmm. right yeah in their donut shaped office yeah in their donut shaped <laughs> office yeah they have all these amazing teams like like for instance, <laughs> there's this famous thing about the original mac drawer where it was just six engineers who came up with this like drawing thing from like 1981 or 1982 mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that was so influential like for like 20 years afterwards and that was a product of the team and it's still like i i mean i don't believe in the myth of the lone genius mm-hmm. 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 i totally agree with you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i really I'm, don't yeah, yeah i agree 100 percent. the lone genius being the person who's the only one the smartest person in the room at all times yeah or? like you know that idea of like the person who's gonna like sit in their comp- like in front of the computer late into the night by themselves and have this brilliant idea that no one else would have thought of ever. Yeah. Like even if you look at the history of scientific improvement, it's usually a couple of people come up with the same idea in different places at the same time. Right. Yeah. And it's usually because the, and the people who come up with the idea are in a community of other scientists around this talking about the same thing. And so right. the ideas aren't like born out of nothing. Mm-hmm. They grow mm-hmm. out of the soil mm-hmm. of the other people they're around yeah. of, the, mm-hmm. of the ideas that are being shared there. Have mm-hmm. you ever read the innovators? No, it's like but, a book on the history of computers and their development. And it yeah. goes through all these different branching paths of like possibilities that happened. And mm-hmm. there, I mean, there, there are numerous people that we could talk about in this book who could be role models like Alan Kay's in that book. Yeah. You have Charles Babbage mm-hmm. and like Grace Hopper and uh, mm-hmm. all those people like, but like one of the things about like Charles Babbage and like some other people who like had kind of failed branches of the computing hierarchy was that they were mm-hmm. like lone geniuses and they're like, I got this. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Like just going into your basement and not yeah. really communicating whereas other people were like more collaborative and open and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. working on a team. Yeah. I forget who said this, but it reminds me of this saying to go fast, go alone, to go far, go together. Yeah. Yeah, that's, this, I've definitely seen that on like a motivational poster. Yes. Or something. <laughs> yes. So, yes. so yes. like survival tips in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of puppies on it. Or something. That's great. <laughs> well, the running cat in the grass. That's that's usually a good one. Yeah, too. That's, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I guess like even I, maybe it was unfair to call Steve Jobs Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. Lone genius because yeah. like although he, there was like a certain cult of personality, like he, yeah, he was a big believer in structuring the workplace and the, the teams so that good things could happen. I guess we're all really like <laughs> enamored people who build community mm-hmm. and or who actually, cause I feel like in, out of a good community, like individuals like can be, I don't know, can shine brighter. I don't know. It sounds cheesy, like a motivational poster, but yeah, with that support, <laughs> it's easier for that, for that person, like for some of the people that we've listed so far to have, to have, popped out of that you know they, they mm-hmm. grew i said the, i think the best would be they grew out of that yeah 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 mm-hmm. so we, we've been talking about you know all these people we admire and how they've built community or have worked to build community for instance like what about say sandy metz which everyone's a fan here that we try 
like you would take into your work in a day to day? Like when you, we go to clients, is there anything that we, we, any practices, anything she does that we try to do it ourselves? I mean, I think, I think for Sandy, like there's kind of this like empathy and warmth and kindness and curiosity to like whatever she's doing. Like it, it's always very approachable. Yeah. And human, even though we're talking about computers all the time. <laughs> so I, th- I think that's that's something that I would aspire to. Yeah, I just find myself like getting all of the like knowledge on like refactoring and and like the information that I got from Pooter and see how I can use it. Because like right now, I'm not doing any Ruby work, but like even the ideas of like knowing like code smells and when to refactor right. and stuff like that are things that I would more than happy to help the client through a refactor and as to why it's important and like where did I get it from if I happen to remember a particular chapter or whatever in Pooter, I would direct the client developer on that. But I do think like just like the teaching style and how I was able to gain that knowledge, I try to use that very same method to teach someone else as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of mirroring it Yeah, for the technical know-how. Yeah, yeah. One thing I really admire about Sandy is that she is completely herself. Mm-hmm. And in Pooter, I saw this in the examples she used. She talks a lot about bikes. Yeah. She's a, <laughs> an avid cyclist. Yeah. And I feel like both of the books she's written, Pooter and 99 Bottles of OOP, are pretty much completely different from any other programming books I've read. And I like that the sense that I get from her is she's not afraid to make something simple. Mm. And it's so, so, so hard to take something that can get really complicated and messy, like object-oriented programming, Mm. and put it in a book that makes sense to somebody, I don't know, like a a mid-junior level all the way up to, I mean, something valuable for a senior engineer. Yeah, I just, I like that fearless approach of, I'm going to deliver value to my reader. Right. And that's my number one priority. That is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I've, I guess I have to read 99 bottles after oh, YouTube. Yeah. Really. Oh, yeah. Because like right now, it's like, okay, she, Sandy Metz is a bike enthusiast and an alcoholic. Like yeah. that's, what, that's, what that's what I'm getting right now. That's what I'm getting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she's not <laughs> yeah, a lovely yeah. individual with reasonings as to why 99 <laughs> bottles of stuff. Maybe it's water. We'll just, I'll just use water. Yeah. Could yeah. be water. Yeah. 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 I'll have to pick up that book for sure. Yeah. Mezcal, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> bottles of mezcal. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure after the third, 97 bottles of beer, the, the yeah. that'll definitely change your way of programming in, in OOP. She might, I don't know if Sandy's still doing this, but I got my copy of 99 Bottles of OOP by writing a postcard and delivering it to whatever address she put on her site. Oh, that's Did cool. Did you know about that, Emmanuel? I didn't. I just bought it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this, this was when I was still, she hadn't even released the oh, last chapter yet. Okay. And she was looking for beta users, I think. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, postcard. Cool. Send a post. Well, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good idea. But <laughs> yeah. Send a postcard to your role model. Maybe you get something <laughs> yeah, yeah, out yeah. of it. That's always a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's but, always a good idea. Oh, yeah. Or, or not. I don't know. But they're, they're going to hate us. I'm sorry. But thank you, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yep. Everyone's getting postcards. <laughs> I think one of the things that, you know, that, make, that makes people heroes, honestly, that also makes people heroes in my eyes are 
the obstacles they might have had to have overcome to get where they are. One of the people that I think had probably a lot of obstacles is Coraline Ada Emke. Mm-hmm. I've been following her from a podcast, I believe, Ruby Rogues. Yes. For a while. And then I read about what happened at GitHub, which she mm-hmm. posted recently. Oh. So is any role models that uh, anyone think of that have inspired them because they've kind of had things to overcome? Oh, yeah. The one that comes to mind first is a woman named Andrea Goulet. And for her personally, I mean, she came into the taxi and software scene late and she had a long career in marketing. So it's always, I mean, there are a fair amount of obstacles to overcome as a career changer. But in general, the business she runs is a consultancy called Corgi Bytes. And they work exclusively on legacy code. So yeah, I mean, oh, their whole, wow. yes, their whole oh, wow. business model wow. is about overcoming obstacles because I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. wow, just leaning into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and like, it's incredible. So they have a, they have a podcast too. It's, I can't remember. I think it's legacy code rocks or something mm. like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. You have to, but I feel like she, she runs the company with her husband, but they've single-handedly transformed how I think about legacy code. And I'm sure they've done way more for all their clients. I think I need to subscribe into some legacy code stuff because I've seen some really, really, really nice nice (laughs) legacy code and would love to see the spin that you mentioned before. Code that does the needful, right? Yeah. 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 Things that function names that say do the needful Wow. Yeah, those those always yeah. surprise me all the time. What? Yeah. I, I've worked oh, yeah. on one of those code oh, yeah. bases. Oh, yeah. We, oh, all, yeah. Have, we, all, oh, yeah. we all have. Yeah. We all I mean, have. Like, code, code tells a story. Like, you know, people were trying to get things done at the time, and yeah. they... Had the the what, what they did what they could with the tools they had at the time. They did the needful, man. Yes, they, they, yes. They did the needful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a good way. To, that's a good way. To, it looks like someone's been listening to that legacy rocks. As no, soon I, as just, <laughs> I, I just lived this life. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with you, Dave, about people doing the best they could at the time with what they had. And yeah. this, oh, you were talking about. I forget what you said, but I was reminded of when I heard Andrea on a podcast and she was talking about how she really believes in this thing called Conway's Law. And mm-hmm. basically, from what I understand, Conway's Law says that a company's code base mirrors how well their communication is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah or like yeah. the organizational structure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You probably know it better than I do. I don't know about that, but like, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've definitely seen it in action. I mean, if you have like two different teams working on a code base, then you're going to have two different like fault lines mm-hmm. or like have a fault line between the two. Or mm-hmm. if you have a separate operations team from your actual like day to day getting things done team, then that'll cause fault lines too. or growth teams versus like features teams. Yeah. yeah. Conway, he's a smart man. I guess he should have been on this list too. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So we just went through a lengthy list of a tech role models. I imagine that our listeners will also have a list of them. Yeah, and I'm more than happy. I would love to. I would love to hear what other people had in mind. And please don't kill us if we forgot your favorite. I'm sure we're trying to finish it 
try to get this list in <laughs> in less than 30 minutes which yeah, was is probably say, like although it was lengthy like i'm thinking of more uh, like minute by minute as yeah. we speak so i'm sure everyone else has and don't feel bad bunch. if you weren't mentioned we probably still love we still love you not probably we still love you please keep contributing to the community and being awesome we need more software developers in the world and for the for the cause and for for the good of the people of humankind I would love to have more role models. Yeah, that's always good. (laughs) And you may be one. Just don't know about it. So just continue to be awesome and follow those role models so that you too can become a role model yourself. Sweet. Do we have any teach and learns we want to talk about? Yes, I have an interesting puzzle for anyone who writes Ruby. Open up IRB or Pry. Assign a variable, say num equals one. Put a comma, hit enter. Num two equals two. And before you hit enter... Again, guess what num will it be and guess what num2 will be. And hit us up at Radio Free Rabbit. Awesome. I'll take some time to do that myself. And hopefully we get some responses as to what actually happens when you throw commas into your variable names. And when you're assigning a variable, play around with commas. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I'd like to thank my co-host, Dave. Thanks for stopping on down. Yeah. Our regular guest, Emmanuel. Always good having you around. Yep. Thank you. And our new guest, Meredith, thank you for stopping on down. Great to have you. Thank you guys so much. Please hit us up with the answer to the question Emmanuel had mentioned before. And if you just want to reach us on twitter.com slash Radio Free Rabbit, I'm Michael Nunez, and this is The Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time.